0: All right, we are in a new series this morning. Anybody know what it's called? King of Kings. Kings. Thank you for paying attention. That matters. That thing's loud, huh? Okay, so what we're talking about is majesty this morning. And, you know, when I thought about doing this, I was like, oh, this will be easy, turns out it's a a very, it's a vast topic, majesty. Once I got into it and I started reading scripture, I was like, where in the world am I going to go with this? But don't worry, it came together. I think you can be the judge of that. Thank you, Kian. I want to read just a, a few different scriptures to get us moving in the right direction and I love it. Robin just uh, she just like set the table for this. Because we we in order to understand his majesty, we have to understand praise, right? So let me read some of these. First Chronicles 29:11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Head above what? All. Psalm 93.1. The Lord reigns and he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved I want you to pick up a sense of victory that is yours because you're in him as I read these Psalm 104:1 Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and with majesty. Majesty are his garments. Psalm 145, 5, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works will I meditate. How many of us are meditating on his wondrous works and his majesty compared to the lesser things that we come up against? Where are our affections? We are made to spill out worship. We are made to spill out praise. Something has your affection. What is it? What are you making much of? What are you making room to be established on your life and on the praise you're releasing? Ouch! That should should pain us just a little bit. We are made to release praise. You're doing it whether you realize it or not. What has your affections and your attention is where you're making space for a government, whether it is good or bad. If you're making much of your poverty, who do you think you're enthroning? It certainly isn't His Majesty. We are the gates. Say, I'm a gate. As the church, we are the gates. Everything. We have the keys to the kingdom. Say, I have the keys. I wish you had keys in your hands and we could just jingle them really loud right now. Don't worry. Don't do it. It's fine. Anyway, (laughs) we have the keys to the kingdom. And what are the keys? Anybody remember? Binding and Loosing. These are the keys to the kingdom, binding and loosing. That means that you are the gates. What you allow through gets established. You want to know why we have such a high percentage of people dying from cancer? Because the church has let it through. We have a job as the king's kids. The authority has been placed on us, but the thing is, is that our praise has been given to lesser things and a different government has been established. And we let it through. We let it through. We allowed cancer to come in and have dominion on our turf. This should make you mad. <laughs> I'm cleaning it up. It's fine. <laughs> it, it, should, it should make us mad. Angry. There should be a righteous anger that is rising up in us when we come to understand what it is that we've done. You want to know why people declare that the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Church folks, it's our fault. Can we please take the responsibility for the mess that it is? Because all dominion has been given to us. Everything that the father gave Jesus. Jesus said, it's now yours. What a great responsibility. And what have we done with it? Right? What have we done with it? This is why we're making much of praise right now. We're making much of who it is that he, that he is. Because unfortunately, our attention has been divided. And we've straddled a line and we've dished out praise in one direction and dished out praise in another. And we unfortunately have allowed two a system and a kingdom to have governance over our lands. There's a system of darkness. And there's a kingdom of light. And we have given credence to both. And that has to stop. And it can only stop through you and I, because we are the gates. We are the ones holding the keys to the kingdom. I want to keep reading these because they're just really good. Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jude 125, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Psalm 96.6, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Wow. Do we even know who this God is? Have we even taken the time to marvel at who he is? Or are we so terribly distracted? that we don't allow ourselves the time to even survey him. Let's go to Psalm 93. Look, Yahweh now reigns as king. He has covered himself with majesty and with strength, wearing them as his splendor garments. Regal power surrounds him as he sits securely on his throne. He's in charge of it all, the entire world, and he knows what he's doing. Lord, You have reigned as king from the very beginning of time. Eternity is your home. Lord, you have reigned as king from the very beginning of time, and eternity is your throne. I I don't think that we've completely understood what's going on here. I think that we have Jesus sitting on a throne somewhere in heaven. But that's not what it says. It's not what it says. It says that he's enthroned on the heavens and that the earth is his footstool. Can we please allow who he is to blow our minds for a minute? Can we get lost there? We have lost a sense of awe and wonder concerning our God. We've lost this this ability to look at him and go, Whoa. We've lost our child likeness in regard to him. He's enthroned upon the heavens. And the earth is the size of a footstool. Wow. I don't know when the last time was that you propped your feet up on a footstool was. Just imagine it for a second. he's big. Verse three, chaos once challenged you. The raging waves lifted themselves over and over, high above the ocean's depths, letting out their mighty roar. Yet at the sound of your voice, they were all stilled by your might. What a majestic king filled with power. Nothing could ever change your royal decrees. They last forever. See, when the king decrees something, it is established. It is established. Actually, it's true of you. As royalty, when you decree a thing, it will be established. But how much more can can his establishment stand? It stands. When he decrees something, it is established and it stands for all time. Nothing can come against it. Nothing could ever change your royal decrees. They will last forever. Holiness is the beauty that fills your house. You are the one who abides forevermore. Holiness is the beauty that fills your house. Do we even know what his house looks like? Do we even understand what the king's house looks like? We cannot even understand when we are standing in the kingdom. If we don't know what his house looks like. And we also need to understand what his government looks like, right? In Isaiah 9, 6, Uh, let's go there. A child has been born for us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion or government, say complete, complete government. The responsibility of complete government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be the wonderful one, the extraordinary strategist. This is the Passion Translation. Sorry, I know it's probably rubbing you wrong. The extraordinary strategist, the mighty God, the father of eternity, the prince of peace. Great and vast is his dominion, meaning his government will increase. How do you think that his government is going to increase. Isaiah 9, 6 is talking about Jesus. This is who he is. This is how you can recognize him. And the government upon his shoulders will increase, which means it has to rest somewhere. Where has dominion landed? Jesus said, it is for your good that I go and prepare a place. But don't worry. Don't worry. I'm sending sending a helper. A helper. Doesn't that seem kind of silly? Don't worry, I'm sending you a helper. Never mind that it's sheer power. I'm sending you sheer power. Stay. Be together until sheer power comes. Gives new meaning to the helper, doesn't it? Okay, I promise I won't go there. (laughs) (laughs) Sheer power. And we know the boys are in the upper room. And suddenly, Holy Spirit shows up. And his government began to increase. Do you know what the boys were doing in the upper room? Just take a wild guess. What do you think they could have possibly been doing? Lifting up high praise, lifting up high praise, lifting up high praise, making much of who Jesus was. Do you want to know where the government is established? Upon your high praise. You want to know how his government is going to increase? Upon your high praise. Do you know, I said this on Friday. If you listen on Friday, it's on repeat, sorry. When he comes at us and he's inviting us into a space of praise and we take a praise break... It's for a purpose, not just to make you feel good about you, and not just to make you feel good about him. He's not egotistical, it turns out. He doesn't actually need you to define him to him. He knows who he is. It's because right there in that moment, his government needs to be established. He's inviting you into partnering with the increase of his government. We cry out, oh, your majesty, look at you. You are, you are awesome in splendor and wonder. Because he invited me there in the first place. But because I stop and I choose to fix my eyes on what it is that he's doing and who he is in that moment, his government is increasing through me. However, the same is true when you take the bait of Satan <laughs> Satan ah, And you begin to enter in to grumbling and complaining. His government is established. And you're increasing the government of the systems of darkness, right? This is why knowing His house is so important. You guys, I, I feel like it is the just the most important thing right now. Is that we understand the Father's house? We've talked. We've talked a little bit about compromise. We've been in. Compromise. We've been in a valley of indecision, having one foot in the kingdom and the other foot in the systems of darkness. We are yielding to both at the same time. And we've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop tolerating it in the Father's house. We have to. We cannot find ourselves in a valley of indecision anymore. We cannot find ourselves in a space of compromise any longer. He's not tolerating it. We have to become people who are mindful of what we are establishing. There's opportunity to release praise all day long. Think about Consider it for just a second. You wake up you stub your toe. What's your response? Gosh, darn it. Why can't they just put those stupid legos away? You know? I know that seems very very minor and 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 meaningless, but it's not. It's not. We have to take captive our thoughts and the words that we release because the power of life and death is in our words. What are you establishing? Let's go to um, Isaiah 40. And we're going to start in verse 9. Oh, this is so good. Mike, would you shut those windows, please? Thank you. No, just, those are just loud. Okay, Isaiah 40, starting in verse 9. Go up on a high mountain, you joyful messengers of Zion. Are you a joyful messenger of Zion? Are you one who can quickly and easily release praise? Right? Sometimes it's fine. We're having an honest moment. It's okay. We have to be those who can release a praise in an instant, knowing who He is and, and what what he is worthy of. Are you capable of ascribing worth to the king of kings at any given moment? Go up on a high mountain, you joyful messengers of Zion, and lift up your voices with power. Lift up your voices with power. You who proclaim joyous news to Jerusalem, shout it out and don't be afraid. Say it to the cities of Judah, here is your God. What do you think is happening here? He's inviting us to go up on Zion to release high praise, to expand his government. That was the last line. Say it to the cities of Judah. Here is your God. So when you're being invited in, and this is how it's been happening for me, and and I'm praying this on you. I'm praying it on you. I'm decreeing it right now that you will experience moments where there is such a burning sensation to enter in and lift up and exalt the King of Kings. That you will be forced to make a decision. Am I going to compromise or am I going all in no matter what? This has happened to me over and over, over the last two weeks. And some of these moments have been a little awkward. (laughs) Where I am seriously in the middle of conversations. I'm, I hear you, but I don't know how to get out of this. (laughs) And and so I, I, and I haven't, I haven't navigated it flawlessly. But the more I yield to the invitation, the quicker these moments are coming at me. The less time in between. Because he's training us. We're in a training season, right, Vince? We're in a training season. He's training us to become kingdom people. So don't, I don't want, I, I, that's why I loved Kian's honesty just now. Sometimes. But I don't want you to stop it sometimes. It's not an excuse. Because you're going to get better. The more we yield to the invitation, the greater measure he's going to trust us with. And he wants his kingdom expanding on the earth. Verse 10. Look. Here comes Lord Yahweh as a victorious warrior. He triumphs with his awesome power. Watch as he brings with him his reward and the spoils of victory to give to his people. He will care for you as a shepherd tends his flock, gathering the weak lambs and taking them in his arms. He carries them close to his heart and gently leads those that are nursing. Okay. We're about to jump into a really, really great part of Isaiah, but we would be really amiss not to pause because this has everything to do with his, his established government. And thank you, Jesus, for Brian Simmons. Someone just say thank you, Jesus, for Brian Simmons. The footnotes on this part that I just read are like, oh my gosh. It's so good because he breaks it down to be the fivefold government of the church. This is what he says. Um, look, here he comes, Lord Yahweh, as a victorious warrior. He triumphs with his awesome power. Watch as he brings with him his reward. So the footnote says these verses are somewhat parallel to Ephesians 4.11, where we can see the apostle, his mighty arm, the prophet's, His reward, the evangelist, salvation, rewards he gives his people, the pastor, shepherd tending his flock, and the teacher who gently leads, or nurses. Isn't this fascinating? He says all of this about his his expanding government, but we have not got it right. We've got it all wrong. We've got it all mixed up. It's been chaos, but that's okay because we just read that he's not afraid of chaos. He's sorting it out and he's doing so in real time. He's reestablishing his government within the church, within our bodies. We know that he's given some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and they all have a distinct role to play, and all of it will expand his government. What is is his plan? What is his ultimate plan? What's the ultimate plan? That his glory would cover the whole earth like the water covers the seas. How do we think that's going to happen? Through the expansion of his government and the only way his government will be established if we become is if we become people of praise because we know that his throne is established on the praises of his people and when his throne is established so is his government i'm belaboring a point on purpose we need to get this It doesn't happen because we just gather here on Sundays. It happens because we allow ourselves praise breaks in the middle of our busy, crazy lives. It happens because we're interruptible. It happens because he has truly become majesty and Lord over our lives. It happens because we've allowed ourselves to become possessed. I love it. I love it. Rob was like, don't worship him in your mind only. Anyone guilty of that? We do it all the time. We worship him in our minds only. We sit around and we think about him. But it is not until we release praise. Praise. That his government is established. Okay, I don't know if you guys are ready for this. This is just, this is just so good. We're in uh, forty twelve. Who has measured the waters of the sea in the hollow of his hand? No, don't you just sit there? Who has measured the waters? of the sea in the hollow of his hand. Hold your hand out. The entire sea fits in the hollow, the palm of his hand. Wow. Wow. Oh, it gets better. Sorry, I keep hitting the mic. And used his hand width to mark off the heavens. You see how he can't fit in heaven? <laughs> does it does it make better sense now why his throne is on the heavens? Yeah. Who knows the exact weight of all the dust of the earth and has weighed all the mountains and hills on his scale? Who fully understands the spirit of Yahweh or is wise enough to counsel him? Who does he consult to be enlightened? Who teaches him the ways of justice? Who imparts knowledge to him or shows him the true path of wisdom? Even the nations are to him like a drop In a bucket, regarded as nothing more than dust on a scale. He picks up the islands like fine grains of sand. When was the last time you picked up grains of sand? He picks them up like that. The islands. All of Lebanon's trees are not enough firewood for him. Nor are all its animals enough for a burnt offering. The nations are nothing in his eyes. He regards them as absolutely nothing. Who even comes close to being compared to God? How could you ever compare God to an idol? Right? I mean, so we just read through Judges 6 through 8 about Gideon, and and he goes and he tears down the altars to Baal and the Asherah poles and all of this. And these people, they'll worship anything, which is proof of what I said before is that we are made to worship, and we're worshiping no matter what. And we're easily distracted. Because at the end of Gideon's story, it says that he made a golden ephod, which is just garments for a priest, mind you. And the people of Israel turned their backs on God again and made this golden garment their source. What? Ah, before you get too critical, you do it all the time. A craftsman forms an idol god, then a goldsmith overlays it with gold and forges its silver chains. The one who is poor and cannot afford silver or gold chooses a tree that will not rot, then seeks a skilled workman to make an idol that will not topple. Don't you realize that God is the creator? Don't you hear the truth? Haven't you been told this from the beginning? Haven't you understood this since he laid a firm foundation for the earth? He sits enthroned high above the circle of the earth. To him, the people of earth are like grasshoppers. He stretches, stretches, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreading it open like a tent to live in. He reduces rulers to nothing and makes the elite of the earth as nothing at all. They barely get planted and barely take root in their position of power when the Lord blows on them and they wither away, carried off like straw in the stormy wind. Verse 25, the Holy One asks, Can you find anyone or anything to compare to me? Where is the one equal to me? Lift up your eyes to the sky and see for yourself. Who do you think created the cosmos? He lit every shining star and formed every glowing galaxy and stationed them all where they belong. He has numbered, counted, and given everyone a name. They shine because of God's incredible power and awesome might. Not one fails to appear. Why then, O Jacob's tribes, Would you ever complain? And my chosen Israel, why would you say Yahweh isn't paying attention to my situation? He has lost all interest in what happens to me. Don't you know? Haven't you been listening? Yahweh is the one and only everlasting God, the creator of all you can see and imagine. He never gets weary or Worn out. His intelligence is unlimited. He's never puzzled over what to do. He empowers the feeble and infuses the powerless with increasing strength. Even young people faint and get exhausted. Athletic ones may stumble and fall. But those who wait wait. For Yahweh's grace will experience divine strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles, run their their race without growing weary, and walk through life without giving up. And I love the end of this because it says, He empowers the feeble and infuses the powerless with increasing strength. Even young people faint and get exhausted. Athletic ones may stumble and fall who wait can't use that excuse. And the word wait literally means to be entangled with him. It doesn't mean we're just sitting here strumming our fingers doing nothing. It means that we are entangled with him, moving with him, burning with him. We're in an interesting time where he's coming as an all-consuming fire, but it is not for us to be laid down lovers alone. We're to move with him because his harvest is ready. There are people aching to know what you know. But we can't go out until we get this right. We can't. We can't go out with a half cocked message of good news. It's gotta be the full complete package. I felt like Holy Spirit was saying, Angie, I want you to continue to push the envelope on grace. But just don't forget about justice and righteousness. There is something that is required. There's a cost. Involved. See, if we would have been taught all along that there is a cost to be counted, we wouldn't be so jolted right now by the way that he's showing up. We would have known. So, absolutely grace, undiluted grace. But within that, there is a system of justice. And righteousness that has to be presented. Which means we have to stop compromising. We have to call things that are evil, evil. We can't continue to just kind of let things eke through the gates because we don't want to have understanding. He either came and did what he did or he didn't. Did Jesus Stop for a brutal beating so that we could be whole, then that means death can no longer be our savior. If you know someone lying on their deathbed, your job isn't to give up and to give them over to death. Your job is to contend no matter what the outcome is. If you know somebody who's sick, you need to stop confessing illness on them and fight against that thing. I have a friend who sent me a message yesterday and said that my, my daddy's been diagnosed with cancer. He has cancer. And something rose up in me. She knew this for five days. And you better believe I'm yelling at you again, Grace. Five days. She knew this and didn't say a word to me. And I was so mad. What are you doing? Not including me. Because here's the deal. We have to start thinking about ourselves at this. I am the solution. When cancer comes in and has one of you, I'm not confessing that, you better come and make me aware that cancer is trying to invade your life because that's compromise. That's not allowed. It's illegal. It is. It's illegal. And when we get soft in these areas, we allow cancer to become a full-blown principality Someone, please say not on, my watch. not on my watch. Seriously. Sickness, disease, death. Jesus paid for that. Is he worthy or not? Is he worthy or not? Is the Lamb of God worthy to receive the reward of his suffering? Well, that looks like you and I not compromising. We have to know what he's worthy of. What did he pay for? He paid for our freedom from everything. Everything. There shouldn't be one among us that is contending alone. You guys, we've turned a blind eye to the things, to to mental health. Can we go here? Because we have. We've turned a blind eye as the church. And we've made mental health out to be something that is just okay. It's almost even become the norm. Right? I mean, like, you you can't walk very far before you hear something about mental health. We've become very infatuated with mental health. We've made much of mental health with absolutely no solution. He's looking for people who will sacrifice praise at any given moment, who will acknowledge his majesty and be interruptible because he's looking to establish his government on the shoulders of you and I, so that his government will increase. Are you willing? Are you willing to step out of compromise and tolerance and call things what they are? It's either, guys, seriously, it's either a system of darkness or it's the kingdom. We've made so many gray areas, and it's because we've been duplistic in praise. We've got to rein it back in. And this is what has kept us in small beginnings. And I know scripture says, do not despise small beginnings. Friends, we are beyond that. This isn't a despising of small beginnings. This is us becoming comfortable in small beginnings. This is us being comfortable being small. Years ago, I had a friend come to me. You have probably heard me tell the story. He came to me. I'm sitting in the middle of a gym filled with people. It was a basketball tournament. He comes and sits next to me and he wants, he's a therapist. I know, roll your eyes. Um, and he comes and sits next to me and he's like, so um, Angie, why do you play so small? You want to have that conversation right here now? I mean, these are the moments where I'm like, get out of my soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, get out of my soul. And it made me super uncomfortable. And I am so thankful. So thankful for the conversation. Because I had to investigate, why am I playing so small? See, because for me, I didn't think I was playing small. I didn't. I didn't think I was playing small at all. I thought I was really extending myself. But God will send people to come and sit down next to you in your moment of distraction to ask the very pointed question, why are you playing so small? Here's what I know we need to do. We have to enter into repentance of our small mindedness regarding who God is, what the kingdom is, and who we are. We do. We've allowed compromise. We have. And just like the t shirts say, expand or die. We, we created the T-shirts for a purpose, and I believe it serves multi-purposes. One, because we have to. We have to expand individually in order for Jesus Christ to receive what he's worthy of. It's through you and I that he will receive his reward We have to expand. And if you're not uncomfortable, you're not expanding. Two, we're expanding as a body, as a community. I'm just going to make a flat-out announcement. We're going to Topeka. We're going to establish a church in Topeka. It's going to happen. We can't avoid it. God very clearly said that... He's like, pay attention to the, the tent peg on your east corner and, and I'm stretching it out to the eastern borders. And he says, go east two times. It's important that we expand or we will die as an organization. See, there's no, there's no more room. There's no more margin for compromise. There's not. It's expand or die. The kingdom is moving with or without you. It's up to you. And what it boils down to is what you're willing to compromise on. I'm going to totally put you on the spot. Um, read your text message. Can you guys stand with me? calm down Are you are you going to stand <laughs> Dad eyes <laughs> Dad eyes for the win ha, I love that Okay Do you need me to decipher? But you're not sure. Probably. Jeff or Vince will be able to help you. Okay. Robin's working on a song. I should have grabbed her before church started. My fault. Um, I know that we need to move from this space. You guys, we are at a, we, we are at a threshold of transition. Does that make sense to you? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? We are at a threshold of transition. We are moving beyond where we have been into a greater expanse that God has prepared for us. He's prepared a space for you to expand, but we cannot do it if we're going to continue to partner with our small-mindedness, if we're going to continue to partner with our small beginnings. Is anybody in here willing to be uncomfortable? We have to. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable. And Robin's going to come in and play a song here in a second. Perhaps I should. Pray, and you can sign off online. (laughs) Would that be helpful? Okay. Father God, we just right now exalt your name. You guys, just begin to release praise. Just begin to release praise that is worthy of the King of Kings. We exalt your name right now. This is going to take bravery. You said you're leaving compromise. We release praise to your name right now. You are holy in this place. Father, you are so beautiful. Here's the deal, you guys. We have to begin to narrate what it is that we see. This is how praise happens. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. And I want you to begin to see with your spirit. Allow your spirit, man, to, to lead the way and open your spiritual eyes to begin to see him enthroned. And you are going to begin to ache and deeply desire for that throne to come and be over the top of your praise. And the way that you do this is just begin to narrate what it is that you see. I see you high and lifted up. I see you enthroned above the heavens and the earth is your footstool. Come on. Great is your name worthy is your name you're so worthy to be praised jesus you guys if you can't do this here you're not going to be able to do it out there just release praise if you have to whisper it but you've got to use your vocal cords we're partnering with praise right now jesus you are worthy to receive the reward of your suffering You are worthy of me making a fool of myself right now. You are worthy of me extending myself right now. You are worthy of me being uncomfortable and expanding into the spaces that you've created for me.
1: You are worthy,
0: Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus. Let down, let down the train of your robe in this place. You are worthy, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Your name is to be high and lifted up above every other name. Oh, you're so worthy. You're so worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy. Just begin to describe what it is that you see. You're so worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy. You're worthy of my time. You're worthy of my affections. You're worthy of my attention right now. Jesus, we love you. We love you.